thank you for tuning in to Beyond the Dais, a podcast about the stories taking place in and around El Paso County, Colorado. I'm your host, Scott Anderson, and today my guest is the Executive Director of Public Works, Kevin Mastin. How are you doing today, Kevin? Uh, doing well. Thanks, Scott. Thanks Good. For, thanks for having me over here. Well, thanks for giving me the opportunity to come talk with you for a little bit. Absolutely. Uh, so before we get started, I want to quickly add that if listeners are interested in more stories about people doing good in and around El Paso County, or hearing from county leadership about local government priorities and how they operate, you can find additional episodes of this podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, But to get started, Kevin, I was wondering if you could give us some background about yourself and how you ended up here at Public Works. Let's see, how I ended up here at Public Works. Uh, About four years ago, four and a half years ago, uh, I was made aware of an opportunity to come to uh, Public Works as a deputy director and uh, at the time, I was uh, flying for L3 Harris uh, out of Pueblo, and I was just looking to do something different. And, uh, and that's how I was basically made aware of the position that was here and uh, applied for the job, became the deputy. I was a deputy for a couple of years. And then um, after a couple of years, the director position opened. I applied for that and became the director, uh, gosh, almost two and a half years ago now. But uh, um, yeah, I just, uh, it was just being made aware of the opportunity to be, uh, you know, for, for the position here in public works and applied for it. And, and that's not a very uh, exciting <laughs> answer, but, but that's how I ended up here. And it's, uh, and a lot of it too, I think what drew me to public works mm-hmm. is I come from a, basically a farming background with my family, uh, living in a rural environment in upstate New York. Um, uh, that was my mother's side of the family, but my father's side of the family, my grandfather actually worked for the county that I grew up in. I had cousins that worked for the county. And it was just something that's I've kind of been around since I was little. I mean, some of my fondest memories were going to the gravel pit and watch my grandfather fill up his Mack dump truck uh, with gravel and whatever job he was working on at the time. So it was uh, almost a chance to kind of relive childhood, I guess, to, to come here and be around uh, people that are very, very much like the people that I grew up with and my mm-hmm. family as well. Yeah, that, that's cool. So I fortunately, having worked from the county as well, I understand a little bit of your background and you had this really unique experience and you'll have to tell me about this for a little while. You were the interim director for planning and community development. I was, yes. How did, how did that, uh, how did that opportunity present itself, I guess? And what did you learn from that side of things that you've been able to kind of implement here at public works? Yeah. uh, So the previous director, um, he had taken a job, um, well, actually started his own company is what he really did. He started working for a local developer, but started his own company, kind of doing a concierge service, uh, helping people through the development process, which opened the position there. And when uh, when the county were, were in the process of trying to find a new director for planning community development, our uh, county administrator, Brett Waters, asked if I would go over there and serve on an interim basis until we could find a new director. And initially, I thought that was... I mean, well, first of all, yeah, I thought it was, I, I, I was really looking forward to the opportunity because yeah. I wanted to get over there and work with planning community development. There's a lot of things that we do from an engineering perspective uh, to assist planning community development. But once planning community development's done with it, like, uh, like take, for instance, a residential neighborhood, those roads become the property of El Paso County or our responsibility. Um, and then we have to maintain them, you know, for the rest of the life of that, of that street or that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um so it was. I really wanted to be involved or, or learn as much as I could about how do we get to the point where things are built, and then now we own it as a county to have to maintain it. So that's that was 
kind of one of the things that drew me to want, wanting to do this, but the people over there too. I mean, it's an incredible team over at Planning Community Development. It's different than what we do here. And I think that, you know, every, every office, every department uh, that we have in the county has its own kind of subculture. And, uh, um, and I just want to get over and just learn more about planning community development. And, uh, and like I say, just working with the folks that are over there. I mean, it's an awesome, awesome team mm-hmm. that's over there, but that's, that's how I ended up over there. I was, I thought I was only going to be there for a few weeks, but it ended <laughs> up being a lot longer than that, but yep. it was, uh, but it was a great experience. Yeah. I, I am, I, I am still emotionally attached to everybody that works over there. Yeah. So. No, it is a good team. I, I fortunately have the opportunity to work with them as well. I, I'm, uh, the public information officer for planning and community development. So uh, I do get to work with them as well. And before that, I was the PIO here at Public Works. So mm-hmm. I've, I've had the opportunity to also work with both teams. And it, it is really interesting seeing how both of those departments collaborate with each other because, I mean, kind of like you said, uh, the work that they do impacts the work that you guys do so frequently. I Absolutely. I mean, and, and it's something that I, that I am seeing that uh, – a lot of our directors are doing now is that is getting out and just meeting other people in the county. What do other people do? How do we all, I mean, when it comes to serving our citizens, we are all part of that family tree or that DNA that goes to the citizen to support them, whatever that is. But I think the more we can learn about what everybody else in the county is doing, I think it helps us individually to do our jobs better because, uh, you know, we, we, we shouldn't be stovepiped in what we do. Everybody's critical to our support to the county. And, and the more that we can get out and meet each other and spend time with each other, appreciate what other people do. Because I think very often there's, I think in planning community development, uh, one thing that I, but what really helped me understand planning community development is I don't know if general population of our county understand the amount of work that planning community development has to do when somebody comes in, whether they want to put a garage up in their backyard or whether somebody wants to put a 5,000 home development in, but what goes into that? All of the things that have to be done to have a project like that happen. And then I think there's also misperceptions as well that uh, people think that our planners have more power than they actually do, <laughs> you know, and, that's, and I think that can be very tough. You know, we used to joke that uh, you know, used to joke sometime when the planners were having a bad day, you know, just kind of joke about some stuff and go, remember, man, lack of punishment is your reward, <laughs> you know, is a joke, obviously. I mean, they do great, great work, but yeah. no, nobody ever comes to the planner and, and says, man, I really appreciate those 40 hours you put in last week right. to get my plat ready. Right. Um, rarely do people thank them for that. And they really, they, they deserve a lot more thanks than what they're getting. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't doubt it. Uh, so, we live in a military community here in Colorado Springs. I know you have a background in the military yourself. Can you talk to me about a little bit about that background and how that has helped you in your current role? Well, I, I, uh, I spent 32 years in the Air Force, um, which uh, when I graduated from high school, uh, I knew I wanted to join the military. Uh, I tried college for a semester. I uh, wasn't quite ready for it. <laughs> and, uh, um, but uh, I thought I was just going to do four years. I thought I was going to learn to be an electronic technician then go back home and get a good job uh, working for Xerox, Kodak, or IBM, which were kind of the three big hitters at the time in Rochester, New York. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it ended up um, – I had the right mentors along the way. Worked for some very incredible people. I uh, decided when I came in the Air Force that uh, my I, I got around airplanes. My first ride in an airplane was going to basic training. 
never been in an airplane in my life, uh, but got around airplanes, fell in love with it, and decided that that's what I wanted to do with my life is fly airplanes, and then had the right people that mentored me and supported me along the way to kind of achieve that goal. Mm-hmm. So now, how that, well, one, of the, well, one of the ways I'll tell you how that helped me was that I am very passionate about helping people achieve their goals, whatever that is. And the way that has helped me here is, well, there's a couple, I'm going to back up here for a second, but along the way during my career, I, I worked for some very, very incredible people that, that uh, as far as leadership development, took the time to develop me, uh, to have the, the leadership style that I have. Uh, I, I don't like using the word management when you talk about <laughs> people. I hate that because I think you manage assets, but you lead people. Yeah. And, uh, and that was really ingrained into me during my Air Force career. So now how you take all that and how I, how I uh, use that here. One of the first things I did when I became the director, it was very important to me to listen to everybody to find out how they would describe our culture, um, empower people to do their jobs, basically provide the direction that they need. Hey, this is where we, this is where we are. Here's where we need to go. You are the professionals that we have hired to do that job, but then get out of the way and let them do that. Um, and that basically just empowering our department to make the decisions to, to get out there and do the jobs that they were hired to do. Um, and I realize I'm rambling on this, but I, <laughs> my experience that I had uh, in the Air Force uh, flying fighters, um, you know, you didn't have a supervisor in your back seat right. when you flew a mission, <laughs> right. right? They they trained you to do the job. Here's what you're going to do. Now get out there and do it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of my mindset here as well. That look, give people the direction, give them the training, give them the skills they need, and then get out of the way and let them go do it. And uh, and I think that's really paid some significant dividends here for us in public works. We're still progressing. We still got a ways to go in different areas, mm-hmm. but um, I think that's something that uh, at least feedback that I get from people is something that they appreciate is the fact that they are empowered to make the decisions. And one of the things that I always tell people, all of our new hires, every single one of them is that um, if their nose isn't getting brushed up a little bit, they're not leaning far enough forward, you know, (laughs) and that as they're doing their jobs, they should always feel little tug on their collar. If they don't feel a little tug on their collar, they're not leaning far enough forward to get the job done. So get out there. Don't be afraid Again, long-winded answer here, but encouraging people uh, to not be afraid to make mistakes. Um, we lived in, in, in an environment for a while where, um, and I don't think it's anything that's specific to uh, what we were doing here, but just society-wise, I think people are afraid to make mistakes because fear of ridicule, fear of punishment. And my thing here is go out and make them. It's okay to make a mistake. You know, if you're out willfully doing something wrong, okay, that's different, but go out and use your best judgment. If it doesn't work out, we'll sit down, we'll talk about it and, and figure out, well, okay, if you had to do it over again, what would you do different? Right. Or, Hey, you did everything right. What about our processes or our policies is incorrect that led us to whatever happened. So what do we need to change? And that's, that's, uh, again, long winded answer to a short (laughs) question, but my time in the air force is what taught me that, is to, uh, again, just empower people to do things, encourage them to get out and be creative and and let them know that it's okay to make an honest mistake. Don't yeah. worry about it. We'll learn from it and keep pressing on. So. Yeah, yeah, no, and I, th- I think that's just an important point to highlight is um, making mistakes is how people grow. I mean, you think about, with you know, just growing up as a kid, right? God, I mean, so many stupid mistakes as a kid. Yeah. But, you know, it, it teaches you, and sometimes it teaches you painfully. 
I, I have a couple broken bones to prove that point. Yeah. But, um, you know, ultimately it's how I, I think the natural way that people learn and grow. And if, yeah. if we don't create environments for people to safely make mistakes, then they're not going to be able, I, I, I think it's hard to turn into the person you're supposed to be or to be, even become a leader of any kind yeah. if you don't have a safe space to make mistakes. So, mm-hmm. um, being able to have that environment in a workplace, like, you know, here at the County Department of Public Works specifically, I think is just so valuable. And I think if you don't have the leadership in place, like like yourself or some of your some of the other directors and managers here at Public Works who know how to how to manage uh, not manage you said not manage yeah. but but lead <laughs> lead in a way yeah. to where they can you know see those mistakes and turn those mistakes into a learning opportunity. Like you need to have the right leadership in place to be able to do that as well. So I, again, I think that speaks highly of the leadership that's here at Public Works um, to allow that to even exist. Yeah, I'll tell you with Jack. I mean, having Jack as a deputy, I got. I mean, I can't even put into words how important it is to have him as the deputy. And one of the things that we've done here is that. Uh, I basically, in a nutshell, I take care of the stuff downtown. Jack takes care of the operation. Mm-hmm. And, and it works extremely well. And Jack and I, we have similar backgrounds. I mean, he's obviously retired Air Force. What he did was different than what I did, but we both have other experiences that kind of shaped our outlooks on life. And uh, <clears throat> one of the things that we really try to put across here is, you know, sometimes people can get really wrapped around the axle about certain things. And we have to sit back and go, hey, man, this ain't life and death. Don't treat this like this is life and death. You know, this is a situation that we're facing right now. We're going to figure this out. We're going to keep pressing forward with it. But, but uh, to get people to really understand, do not let a simple mistake, don't let a simple error, don't let a simple uh, failure of whatever kind, that doesn't identify who you are. It right. doesn't stop what we're doing. And, uh, and, and again, just encouraging people to just do the best they can and then supporting them along the way to make them, you know, again, just help them achieve whatever it is that we're doing. Yeah, I, I like that. So you mentioned that, you know, you take care of like the stuff downtown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the downtown Colorado Springs yeah. where uh, the Board of County Commission is mm-hmm. and the admin building is. Uh, so what are some of those responsibilities exactly that you have in terms of, working in, say, the downtown side of things? Well, I, 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 so there's, there's two sides to everything we do here in the county. There's a thing that, that, uh, that we see um, in the public work side. That's when folks are out in the county uh, working on our infrastructure, our roads, our drainage, whatever that is. And they have experiences with citizens. They have experiences with what it is that they're trying to accomplish. Now, from the downtown perspective, our commissioners are hearing from their constituents who are expecting them to support them in a specific way. So I will hear from the commissioners from what they're hearing from citizens. And my basically my responsibility is to take the input from the commissioners, take the input from our county administrator, Brett Waters, and then what that guidance is uh, and how we take what their desires are and put it into our mission out here of accomplishing what we need to do. Mm-hmm. Now, I do have to tell people very often, because sometimes people, you know, it can get frustrating if, if, you know, crews, they, hey, this is what they're expecting to do this week. Yeah. These, are, these are the jobs they want to get done, but something has come up. I need you to go to fix this. I need you to go take care of whatever it is. And sometimes they, 
they could get frustrated, like, my gosh, why can't, why do we have to keep changing this? And I have to remind them, I said, listen, you guys need to understand something. When you got your job with the county, you interviewed with between three and maybe five people. Yeah. Maybe six people. Commissioners interviewed with 750,000, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. and the thing is, it's, it's their job to take care of their constituents. We are here to support our citizens. We're paid by the taxpayer to do our job. So if something needs to be done to support our citizen who is our primary customer, then we need to do that. Yeah. And that's something that's been a cultural shift here as well, getting people to understand that, that, uh, that, hey, we are a, that to say we're a service industry would be incorrect, but our job is to take care of the citizens. They're paying us, and our job is whatever it is that they want, that, that they want to get done, uh, we need to do whatever we can to help support that. Very good. So as, as a part of that, I guess, and I segue into the next part. So uh, yesterday, the Board of County Commissioners approved an updated resolution for the snow and ice control program. Uh, what does that even mean exactly? And how does that affect uh, the Department of Public Works? And then as an extension, the residents of El Paso County? Uh, yeah, the, the snow and ice control program, bottom line, if you boil it down to its basic, what is it here for? Expectation management. That's what it is. It's to let our citizens know what they can expect when we have snow or ice, uh, what levels of service can they expect. Now, the reason we did an updated resolution is because the most current one that's on file date back to, to, to 2009. And back in 2009, uh, they did not do snow removal between 10 o'clock at night and 2 in the morning. Um, and that's, that's just not the case anymore. We go 24-hour operations for snow and ice removal. The other item was is that uh, on paved roads, uh, they would not uh, the, the requirement to go on. A, I'm sorry, the requirement to go on our priority three roads, I should say, which are basically streets and neighborhoods, mm -hmm. things like yep. that. Um, they wouldn't go in unless there was greater than three inches of snow. That was the that was what they would use to determine whether they would go in and do the and plow those streets. Mm -hmm. uh, gravel roads, it was four inches. What we've done is we've raised that to six inches for a couple of reasons. One, it matches what the city requirement is. So when we have people going between the city or the county, the expectation's the same. But the other two is that because we have so many, um, the, the way our neighborhoods are being built, we have residential areas that are being built in a rural environment. And with that, with sidewalks, where the sidewalks are basically right along the edges of the curbs, mm -hmm. uh, the number of vehicles that are being parked along the streets, some of the housing areas are high-density housing areas, and it's extremely difficult to get in there with a plow. Yeah. Now, if we do get in there with a plow uh, and we start plowing, you just take, you take the neighbors that they get up in the morning, they see the snow, they shovel their sidewalks, and now we come through with a plow and we plow snow and it dumps it all right back on the sidewalk again or it puts the berms in front of the driveways, um, berms around cars that are parked along the street. And depending on you know, when a person works, those berms can freeze. Yeah. And then now it's difficult to get their vehicles out. So what we've done is that six inches is going to help uh, our citizens uh, decrease the amount of angst that's been created by us getting in there too soon. Now, with that being said, though, safety will always dictate what we do. Um, you know, if we need to get into areas and clean you know, and clean snow out for whatever reason, we'll do that. But that was the basic, uh, the reason for that. The other thing is that working with our public information office, now the public information office, when they're dealing with citizens, when they're messaging, they've got a standard that they can go by. And that's one of the things we're really going to work on this year is get into a more team-oriented uh, mindset as far as when we do snow and ice control, um, that working with our citizens together 
to get through the snow event um, it versus what perhaps in the past would have been viewed maybe as a more of, a, of an adversarial type relationship where now, hey, we need the citizens. You have the eyes and the ears out in the field. You know, with 2,300 miles of roads that we have, we can't see every spot on every road at all times. Mm-hmm. So if somebody sees a trouble spot, we want to work with them to go, hey, get into Citizen Connect um, and, and, and let us know where that trouble spot is so we can get on it. But uh, yeah, another really long answer to a short question. But, <laughs> no, um, that's, that's all right. Yeah, but, that, but expectation management, that was the reason for the updated resolution, just so our citizens wouldn't would know what they can expect. Mm-hmm. And also we put in there too, what their level of responsibility is that when you live in the environment that we live here in Colorado, it's a citizen's responsibility to ensure they have a properly equipped vehicle uh, with proper tires, chains, if needed proper clearance, ground clearances, um, you know, the whole thing that it's a citizen's responsibility to ensure they have the right equipment to go out in the conditions that exist at the time. Yeah. Uh, so there were a couple of things that you mentioned there I want to pull from. First of all, when you say dates back to 2009, that uh, in my head, that doesn't sound like that long ago, but oh my gosh, that's like 14, 15 years ago. Yes. That's, that's madness. Uh, also, uh, I appreciate wanting a standard to help out the public information office. So thank sure. you for that. Um, you, you mentioned also the citizen connect app in there. And I was wondering if people who may not be familiar with it, if you could give a little bit more information about what that app is and how residents can use it. Yeah. Citizen connect. If you, the easiest way to find it, if you just go to whatever search engine you're using, but let's say Google, you just put in El Paso County, Colorado, Citizen Connect. It'll take you right to the website. Now, when you click on the website, there will be a menu you can choose from and whatever whatever concern it is that you would like to have addressed. It could be anything. It could be snow. It could be drainage. It could be a dead animal on the side of the road, people dumping things. I mean, there's a laundry list of things that are in there. Uh, go to the website, choose what the subject is that you would like to report on, and then it'll step you through the process where you can use a drop pin and show exactly where the trouble spot is. You can add photos. You can uh, uh, write about whatever it is to explain what the situation is. And when you submit it, it goes in. There's a job number associated with that, a tracking number. And then our customer service uh, experts that we have here in Public Works, they will work that and they will get with whatever uh, division uh, in, in Public Works that can help resolve that situation. They'll work with them to get it resolved. And then our customer service will also engage with the person that submitted the information to keep them aware of, of uh, the status of whatever it is their request was. Awesome. Great. And this is something that people can access not only on, on, on the web, like through a website, but there is also like actually an app that's uh, correct that yeah. exists that people can download. Yeah. And I, I believe that it is just, you would just search citizen connect. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Citizen connect, look for the app and and, on Android or on, on any, uh, you know, Apple device and you should Mm -hmm. be able to pull that up. Awesome. But if I can, pictures are worth a million words. Yeah. So when people (laughs) have something they can take pictures for us, Mm -hmm. that helps us a ton. And then it, it may, it may save time for us because then we don't have to send somebody out to actually inspect the site, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it could decrease the response time if they can provide photos and things for us as well. Nice. Yeah, that's good. So you uh, kind of touched on this a little bit, but again, I'd like you to go into some, a little bit more detail. What are some safety tips that you can offer residents as we're going into snow and ice mm-hmm. season? Uh, you know, if, 
people move move in. They're not used to snow and ice. Uh, it is definitely a different animal <laughs> that yes. if, if you haven't dealt with it before. Uh, so what are some of those tips that people can be aware of uh, just as we are heading into the season? Uh, one of the biggest tips I can tell people is make sure you have the proper tires um, on your vehicle. Snow tires are always better than all season radials or all season tires. All season tires, um, you know, obviously just like the name describes can get you through, you know, the summer, you can use them in the wintertime. But if you want the best traction possible, an actual winter tire is your best. Um, also, just because you do have winter tires or all season, uh, you know, tires on your vehicle, check your tread depth as well, because tread depth is going to be extremely important. I always encourage people to get a set of cables or set of chains, keep them in your trunk. Uh, in case you get yourself in a situation where the tires you have aren't going to provide the proper traction that you need. Um, that is huge. Keep a shovel, keep a bag of sand in the back of your vehicle. And then I think one of the most important things too is make sure you have warm clothing, blankets, uh, you know, food if you need it. If you were to get stuck someplace for an extended period of time, that's going to be big. Um, one of the things we talk about too is that when we're plowing, respect the plow. Do not try to pass a snow plow. That is extremely dangerous to do that. Because the visibility, you will not have the visibility to know whether or not a vehicle is coming from the opposite direction. And on top of that, if you try to pass the plow, there's a good chance you're going to get something thrown up on your windshield that could crack your windshield and do damage. You know, give good spacing to the plows. And then, um, and the other thing is that if you don't, if you don't have to go out, don't just stay home. Uh, I mean, really sit back before you get out and try to brave, uh, you know, nasty weather. Ask yourself. Do you really, really, truly need to be there? Is <laughs> right. this an emergency? Or, yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, but just, just be safe with what they're doing. Great. So we've talked about a lot of things so far. I was just wondering if there's anything else you wanted to add that you think would be important for listeners to know about. I, I will tell you that we, we currently have 20 open positions in highway. Um, and if anybody out there is looking, looking for work, uh, we've got jobs available um, for them. Uh, we start at $22 an hour. Um, and then uh, during snow season is when a lot of our drivers or a lot of our, our folks will pick up overtime uh, as well. And we pay time and a half for overtime. And we always kind of joke, when is it snow in Colorado? Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, you know, <laughs> on the weekend. So, but uh, um, yeah, we've got a lot of opportunities available to people. Um, the other thing that I want to emphasize too, there used to be a requirement to have a high school diploma to work here. Uh, I got rid of that requirement, uh, working with HR to do that. Uh, because a high school diploma is not required to do the work that we do here in the highway department. But I will tell you, uh, I will hire you without a high school diploma, but you can expect me to be a bug in your ear to get your GED as well. <laughs> um, and I've got three guys right now completing their GEDs. And when they, when they finish that, that's going to be a big deal. Um, we're going to make a really, really big deal out of that, but uh, a lot of opportunity here. And it's, uh, and, and if somebody really, hey, what, what do you need to be successful in this job? I need someone that's willing to show up and put in a hard day's work. Yeah. If, if, if that's you and you're listening to this, get online. Uh, you know, go to our human uh, resources website or go to governmentjobs.com. Look up El Paso County, Colorado. Look for maintenance worker, uh, maintenance worker one. Uh, get your application and we'll get you to work. Awesome. No, that, that's really great. And I think too, uh, something uh, a couple months ago, I had the opportunity to speak with your training team here at Public Works, and they do a lot of incredible things and talked about a lot of things. But maybe if you could also just touch on, you know, you mentioned being a bug in the air about getting the GED, but you also op offer opportunities for getting people their CDL. That's correct. Yeah. we, we And that's will, no small thing. Yeah. We will give you the training to get your CDL. And that was something that was kind of holding us up for a while with getting applicants is that the CDL was required, 
And then you sit back, you go, well, who's got a few grand sitting around right. to go get a CDL just to apply for a job? Right. And and we were just not getting the applicants that we needed. But since we've opened that up and offered the CDL, we've seen a significant increase in our applicants and onboarding, and uh, and it's worked out really well. Yeah. So, uh, and it's this is not a gender specific job either. Um, everybody can come out here and do this. 18 years old. Uh, that's what we need 18 years old to be a CDL driver. Um, so come on out and do it. And the other thing too, is I always try to tell people, particularly our military families, it's a, I don't care if you're only here for a year, I will put you to work. Come on out. I will, I will, I will get you on the team. And, uh, but we could really, we, like I say, i got 20 more positions I need to <laughs> fill. And, uh, and uh, don't be bashful. If they got any questions, come on out. Just heck, stop by, stop by our office here at 3275 Acres Drive. Come on in and we'll talk to you. If you got questions, we'll give you a tour of the place and let you see what, what you could be doing. Awesome. Well, thank you, Kevin. I appreciate you taking the time today and for all the work that you do here at El Paso County. So thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Scott. Appreciate the work you're doing and, and all of you guys over at Public Information. You guys are doing awesome. We really appreciate it. Uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, if you're interested in listening to additional episodes of Beyond the Dais, you can find us on Podbean or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.